Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, yesterday, our staff and board was in for a treat as Dr. Crosby from Emerge Counseling Ministries came and just invested in our team and talked about soul care. And there were nuggets that I guarantee you that we took away from that meeting yesterday that we'll put into practice and live out. And last night, for those of you who joined us for the marriage seminar, it was amazing. There was some great stuff that was imparted into each of us. And I just want to encourage you, if you missed last night, next time we announce it, make sure that you come. But Dr. Crosby has served in the youth ministry capacity. He served as a lead pastor. He served as a college professor and a college vice president. Most recently, he made a transition to become the president of Emerge Counseling Ministries. He shared with me that he was in that role for nine months and then the pandemic hit. Talk about how the honeymoon would end very quickly on that. For the last 18 months, they have navigated this terrain of mental health with, with a number of people shared with me that in this year alone that they have counseled over 30,000 hours. Over 30,000 hours. And so they are meeting a need in our nation. And uh, in addition to that, they counsel with pastors. And so very, very grateful for their ministry. One of the things that he did a number of years ago was wrote a book called The Teeming Church. It was one that I read and took some stuff out of it that has influenced the way that I do ministry today. So Dr. Crosby, I wanna say thank you to you for being sensitive to the spirit, for penning the words that he gave to you. And I just want you to know that from a distance you have influenced how I've led our church and how I've pastored. And so it's with great appreciation that I say thank you this morning. And I'm gonna ask that you would join me on the stage and would you join me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. Crosby as he comes to deliver the word this morning. All right. Well, it's such a delight to be here with you, Jonathan. We have uh, enjoyed, I've enjoyed the whole time, and especially a treat to be here this morning. God bless you. Good morning. So Ryan, is it Ryan uh, who's moved from Florida to Iowa? Well, Ryan, my wife and I about two years ago moved from Florida to Ohio. And uh, so we might have an, uh, a pointer or two for you in the transition. But, you know, we, we ministered in the Northeast for about over 20 years in upstate New York. I'm originally from South Carolina. I married someone from Michigan. My, my in-laws told my wife, whatever you do when you go to Southeastern University, don't bring a Southerner home with you. And my parents told me, whatever you do, don't bring a Northerner home with you. So we've navigated some cultural changes, you know, and adjustments over the years. But we, we actually missed the, the North. We really did. It, some people don't believe it, but Florida, you know, you've got like 10 months of the year that it's not just warm, but I mean hot. So we actually, we're kind of weird in that we enjoyed the, you know, the winter, but you know, with a last name like Crosby, White Christmas, this, you know, so, something, something with that. So, uh, so we're glad to be back in uh, this, this part of the country, but it's so good to be here in Iowa. I landed in Cedar Rapids a couple days ago, and immediately I saw corn everywhere. I'm like, this is like the land of corn. And then I go down the road a little bit, and I pass by General Mills, and it smells like my breakfast cereal outside. 
And I was like comforted by that, you know. I'm like, I'm, I thought about all these General Mills cereals that I've eaten over the years. And, uh, and then when I got into Waverly, I saw the, the river right down the road and saw that there was a nice trail and path over there and took a little walk on it in the afternoon, uh, late afternoon on Friday, and it was beautiful. I was able to read a little bit about all the floods you guys have gone through here and the determination of the people of Waverly to keep rebuilding the bridge. You know, as you, you read those signs over by the river, you hear the story of people that build a bridge, a flood would tear it down. And they would build that thing again. Until now you have an inflatable dam that is over there, which I've never even heard of before. But you talk about tenacity. It reminded me of the church. It reminded me of relationships. Things in our world are always trying to tear down bridges. Trying to tear down our bridges to God. Our bridges to one another. Our bridges to our families. But you know what? In Waverly, Iowa, they keep rebuilding the bridges. So give yourselves a hand. Because that's part of Christianity, to rebuild bridges, you know, to do this out of our hearts, out of our lives. Well, uh, it's been such a treat to be here. Uh, when I arrived Saturday morning, had some good time with Pastor Jonathan. Uh, he took me on a full tour of the facility. And I have to tell you, you guys have done an amazing job on this facility. Uh, there's a, a scripture in Isaiah that says you will be called the restorer of streets with dwellings. You will be called the restorer of streets with dwellings. So you have been used to the Lord to help resurrect this facility. And now God is using this ministry to resurrect lives and families and people. And so I'm privileged to be able to be here, uh, even but for a little while, to just see what God is doing. And I, and I hope to share with you a word that God's put on my heart this morning for you. You know, Emerge, uh, before we get into the word, Emerge has been around about 50 years. We'll have our 50th anniversary in 2023. 48 years plus ago, there was a pastor in Akron, Ohio, uh, who was also at an Assemblies of God church. His wife became clinically depressed, so he took her to multiple Christian counselors. And do you know what they all told her? You need to read your Bible more, and you need to pray more. He said, you don't get it. She does that more than anybody I've ever met in my life. There's something more going on. So he, this happened so often that he decided to go back to school and to get a PhD in psychology. And he became the first PhD in psychology from the University of Akron. So here he was, a spirit-filled pastor with a PhD in psychology in the 1970s. At a time when many spirit-filled believers didn't trust intellectual life a lot. There was kind of a, an anti-intellectualism. But he believed that God's given us truths in his word, but that we also can utilize what we've learned in psychology and also in neuroscience to help people get better. So he began to, to do this. He began to give Christians permission to say that things were not okay and that they needed help, that they needed assistance. So over the years emerged, we now have about 40 Christian clinicians in Akron and we are hiring people right and left because of the need that is out there. Uh, you know, we did 30,000 plus hours of counseling last year. This year, we're already doing about 25% more than we were a year ago. Just opened a new center in Pennsylvania a year ago, a new site. 
And now we're in negotiations to open a new one in the southeast in the Atlanta area. So pray for us because we feel that God has been getting Emerge ready for such a time as this. And we value your prayers uh, as we do that. And we pray for you as you move ahead in the plans that God has for you. Well, I want to tell you, um, God loves circles. Can I say that again? God loves circles. He, he truly does. One way I know is there's so many things in our world that are circles, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But do you know God not only loves circles, God, the Trinity, a great way to describe the Trinity is not in a triangle. We might tend to think, well, the Father's here and the Son and the Spirit are there. But if you look at ancient Christian theology, the earliest understandings of the Trinity were not triangular, they were circular. In other words, the Trinity is a circle of unity and a circle of fellowship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they actually enjoy one another. There's joy. You remember how Jesus said one day he's going to say, enter into your joy. That's an invitation into the joy of the Trinity that will be ours as we walk in the forgiveness of Jesus. Not only does the Trinity, uh, is it a joyful circle, it's an honoring circle. The members of the Trinity honor one another. Now, honor is something that impacts our homes and our lives. Uh, one way I know that is uh, someone that I met a number of years ago, he told me about something that happened in his home. His son was about 14 years old, and he had told his son, he said, when you get home tomorrow, the garbage in the kitchen is overflowing. That's your job. Make sure you empty it when you get home. So he got home the next day, walked in the kitchen. There's even more garbage. It's overflowing. So he looked for his son, who had not emptied the garbage. Guess where he is? He's in the living room playing video games with his friend. So Gary stormed in. He's a Christian. Gary stormed into the living room and said, Son, didn't I tell you to empty that garbage? He said, Yeah, Dad, I'll get to it in a minute. And Gary was incensed. So you know what he did? He walked over to his son, and he flicked him in the head and said, Get that garbage out now. You heard what I said. Well, Gary turned around and went back to his bedroom down the hall, and he could feel somebody walking behind him, and he turned. And when they got far enough down the hallway where his friend couldn't see him, he realized it was his son. And when he looked at his son, his son's eyes were full of tears. And he said, what is it? He said, Dad, I can't believe you embarrassed me like that in front of my friend. And in that moment, Gary said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I don't like what he said. He said, you were wrong. You were wrong. Yes, your son should empty that garbage, but that was no reason for you to humiliate him in front of his friend. You dishonored him in front of his friend. And Gary said, Gary's a Christian. He said, I knew what I had to do. I didn't want to do it, but I knew I needed to do it. I said, son, he said, son, I am really sorry. You definitely are going to empty that garbage, but it was wrong for me to humiliate you in front of your friend. And I'm sorry, and I want you to forgive me. And they said, I, you know what? I'll tell you what. If I ever do it again, I'll give you a dollar. And days later, his son told him, I almost wanted to say, Dad, just go crazy, you know? You know? <laughs> Build up my bank account, you know? And, and uh, 
So, so, you know, the son emptied the garbage, went back with his friend, and, and, and Gary moved ahead. But the next morning, Gary was up doing what he usually does in the morning, having his devotions. And he, but, he, but he was thinking about what happened the night before with his son, the day before with his son. And he thought, you know, it's not just enough not to dishonor my son. God, I'd like you to show me a way that I can regularly honor my son. How can I honor it? It's not just enough to say, well, yeah, I'm a good dad. I don't dishonor my kids. But how could I honor him? And he started thinking about a way, and he came up with this idea. And the idea that he felt God gave him was this. When his son got up the next morning, walked down the hall, he's sleepy, he's walking down the hall, and when he saw his son, he went, oh, it's you. You're my son. I get to be your dad. What a blessed man I am. And his son just about fainted, you know, when he did it. He was tired in the morning, but... But they, you know, talked about it later. He said, it was actually, it was okay. And um, then he went in the kitchen and later his wife came walking in and she's got her pajamas on. She's rubbing her eyes. And when he saw her, he was like, it's you. You're my wife. I get to be your husband. How blessed a man am I? And his wife about had a heart attack. But you know what? He began to do this and it became a part of his family. And the kids were like, oh, dad. But, but the more they talked about it, they realized it was a good thing. Gary had learned a way to honor his family, to bring them into what I call a circle of honor, to honor them. Don't we need more honor in our culture today? Has there been a sense of dishonor, people being almost better at dishonoring people than honoring people? What an opportunity for the church. What an opportunity for the church to step up to the generational plate and to be used of God, to be used by the Holy Spirit. Well, God loves circles. Think about it. The earth you're on is a what? Circle. God loves circles. If you, you look at uh, a compact disc, it's a circle. If you, you know, that's something out of the past, right? Way, way back when. The, uh, you know, the old iPods were like a circle. Uh, the headquarters at Apple that they built is, was built in the form of a circle because they're intrigued with this idea of a circle. Uh, if you took blood and put it under a microscope, your red blood cells are in the shape of what? A circle. God loves circles. He's crazy about circles. Microscopic, universal planets, planets circling one another. God loves circles. How about the wheel? The invention of the wheel. Uh, here's one of my favorites. How about a cookie? is a circle, right? Or I had one already this morning. How about a donut? Yes. It's a circle. It's a wonder. Isn't it a wonderful circle? Can I, is the church a good place to confess things? Well, when I was three years old, my parents, they were teenagers selling uh, Krispy Kreme donuts for their youth group. And my parents bought two dozen. And they tell me when I was three years old, no joke, they had taken a nap on a Sunday afternoon, came back in the kitchen and I had polished off one dozen and started on the second dozen at three years of age. That is a gift, you know. That's a craving. That's a sickness, you know. That's a, uh, I don't know what that is. But, but you know what? The person sitting next to you, guess what? Their head is a circle. Their eyes are circles. Their mouth is a circle. Their ears are on and on and on. God loves in his design circles. So much so that he placed you and me and filled the earth with these circles called families as a place to help us grow and nurture. Not a kingdom of 
individuals, even though the United States were a bit more individualistic than other civilizations, um, but in a circle that was designed to nurture you and welcome you and love you. Now, have all of them done that right? No. Sometimes you want to say, have any of them done that right? Because there's a measure of dysfunction probably in every one of our lives, in every, every family, some level. It's even called a sin nature. But God put us in a family, and one day he wants us to be in this circle called heaven that is a place of eternal joy and nurturing. The Bible even says the throne of God has these cherubim that encircle the throne, and they keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Somebody said, isn't that boring if you do that for eternity? I think God's so amazing every time they look at him, something new occurs. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, you know, you're just the wonder of who he is. And that's going on in heaven. The circle of heaven is a constant focus of that. Do you know that the members of the Trinity honor one another? Every time you see them operating in Scripture, think about this one with me, the water baptism of Jesus. You remember, like, we had water baptism today. Jesus led the way. He was the, the vanguard of water baptism. Uh, he went down, remember who baptized him? John the Baptist. John baptizes him. He comes out of the water, and what happens? Heaven opens up. The God who had operated somewhat covertly for a moment said, I'm, coming, I'm going overt now. And heaven opened up, and God said, that's my son. That's my boy in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. What a moment. And the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. It's like the Spirit says, I'm not missing this. And the Spirit comes down, I'm going to be in on this. And God's there, the Spirit's there, Jesus is there, and this is going on, and it's a circle of honor. How many men and women in the room would love for your father to have honored you in front of someone? This is my son. He's not just, you know, he's along with you, you can kind of guess, you know, this is my son, this is my daughter. I love them. I'm so proud of them. We all long for that. Well, follow me a little bit further. You remember when they said to Jesus in the New Testament, the works you're doing, they're amazing. He said, oh, I only do the things I see my father doing. So look at it in a spotlight. The water baptism of Jesus, the father's shining a spotlight on who? The son. Now they say, Jesus, the works you're doing are amazing. Who's holding the spotlight? The son, who's he shining it on? The father. I only do what I see my father. You see how when the attention is brought to the members of the Trinity, they bring attention to one another. Later on, Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth and to leave it with his disciples. And he said, by the way, we've just started the most amazing organization that the world will ever know called the church, a community that the world will ever know called the church. And by the way, the leader, I'm leaving. I'm leaving it with you. Can you imagine how they felt? He said, but wait till you see who's coming. Wait till you see who's coming. And then he began to give them the resume of the Holy Spirit in John's gospel. Wait till the Spirit comes. I've been with you. He's going to be inside of you. He's going to comfort you, counsel you, lead you into all truth. He's going to be with you every moment. It's going to be amazing. He gives them the resume of the Spirit. Who's holding the spotlight? The sun. Who's he shining it on? The Holy Spirit. But here's the ringer. He says, and by the way, here's how you'll know when it's the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will not bring attention to himself, but he's going to remind you of everything that I have said. In other words, his 
Spirit is going to brighten the words of Jesus and they're going to change your life. Do you see how the Trinity is a circle of honor? They honor one another. So God wants you and me to be a part of a circle that's an honoring circle. And when we begin to live that way in his church, guess what it does? It is an expression of the glory of God in the earth today. Think of it. God placed you in a nurturing circle called family. God wants you in an eternal circle called heaven. And now he's preparing you in a redeeming circle called the church. He's using the church. Jesus saves us from hell. The church saves us from ourselves. You, you hear what I'm saying? Jesus saves us from hell. The church saves us from selfishness by becoming a part of community and loving one another. So God dwells, as you think about the Trinity, in a circle of constant community. God thrives in this circle of constant community called the Trinity. And God longs for you and me to, to experience that in our lives. How many of you here would like to be blessed? Put your hand up if you'd like to be blessed. There's a verse in scripture that says, if you do this, God will not only bless you, he will command his blessing over you. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when people dwell together in unity, for there does the Lord, one version says, command his blessing over you. God loves unity. You know, you remember the verse where Jesus said, where two or three come together in my name, Anybody know the rest? There am I. Now, that's not a consolation verse for low attendance at church. You know, where you only have a small number turn out, and pastor and I talk about this, you get up and say, well, bless God, where two or three come together, you know. No, 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 that's a revelation of God. Jesus said, where two or three people come together in my name, I'm there. That's where I, my church begins to live. That's where I begin to dwell. That's where I want to be, where people come together in unity. So God loves unity in families. He loves unity in the church. He loves unity in our relationships. It's something that he longs for. Not uniformity that's pretend or flattery, but sincere unity. He loves it. He desires it. He calls us to it. Have you ever got caught in a circle of honor? Have you ever gotten caught in a circle of honor? When, when I was uh, 16, went camping in Myrtle Beach. I was from an old land denominational church. I really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. We camped at a campsite of 2,000 campsites. And the day after we arrived, 50 Christian teenagers camped right next door to us, me and my family. So long story short, God used them that week to lead me to Christ. And I look at my life as before that time and after that time because it changed radically that year and that, that week. But a while later, we were, we'd been looking for a church and we ended up in an Assembly of God church. I was 17, the lead pastor was 68, and he became like a great support and friend to me. But I was new, and I still remember within a few months, me, my mom and dad, and my brother, our whole family got baptized on the same night. And I still remember, you know how you, you go in a room, you change clothes, and you get the men's room, kind of they turn a room into a locker room, men's room, women's room. So I've got my robe on, I'm 17, I'm walking out. The pastor had a visiting evangelist in town speaking. 
So I'm walking, I've got my robe on, going over, getting ready to be baptized, and the pastor is in like the back hallway with the evangelist. And I heard him say, hey, Robert. I said, yes, sir. He said, come over here. And I came over, and now you got to realize, I'm new to the church. So to me, I'm like going up to the Apostle Paul. And he, you know, he called me over, I go up to, you know, pastor, and he said, yes, sir. And he said, hey, I want to introduce you. Let me introduce you to the evangelist. And he told me his name. He said, hey, this is Robert Crosby. He and his family have just come to Christ. And we are so excited about what God's doing in this young man's life. We just believe that great things are ahead. And he drew this incredible circle of honor around me. Do you know what? I heard that man preach hundreds of messages, and I can't remember any of them. But I will never forget that moment and what he did. I'll never forget it. You know, the poet... Uh, the writer Maya Angelou says, you'll forget, people will forget what you've said, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. They'll never forget the way you made them feel. And in that moment, the pastor had a little moment, and he said, you know what? Here's what I would call an honorable moment. You know, parents talk about teachable moments where you can teach your kids something, but there are honorable moments, and they are all around us. They're around us in the church. They're around us in our community. They're around us in the workplace. They're around us in the neighborhood. Our culture is longing for Christians to rediscover the glory of godly ministry and relationships. And he's given you the power to draw circles of honor. Can you say amen? He's given it to you and me. And it is a powerful tool. And it's so powerful that we often overlook it. We often miss it. God has called us to use it. And it's impacted my life. Uh, Jesus prayed that we would come into complete unity. Not just be one, but that we would come into complete unity. Now, let me ask you this. What is one thing that God never feels? That he never feels? I truly believe it's this. Alone. I don't believe God ever feels alone. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, dwelling in constant unity, relationship with one another. One of the ways God came to reveal the Father to you and me is that he didn't come to the earth as a father. You say, if your mission is to reveal the Father, then you maybe you're going to come. No, he sent a son so that we could watch his relationship with his Father and so that we could learn from it and desire it and grow in it in our own lives. So God's a trinity, true fellowship of three persons, and true fellowship, let's talk about that for a moment, true fellowship is relationships of constant love. If you're writing notes down, put this down, true fellowship is relationship of constant love. In other words, it's relational. Fellowship, that's what God longs for in the church. True fellowship is relationships of love revealed through service. That's vocational. So it's relational. Relationships of constant love shown through the way we serve. That's vocational. That's living out what God has put within us. And it is also not only revealed through that, but it is relationships of constant love revealed through service. And here's maybe the best part, celebrated with joy. <laughs> celebrated with joy. And that's a wonderful part of being a part of a, a church family like this is that you can experience relationships of love. You can reveal it through serving, and you can celebrate it with joy. And that third one is recreational, recreating the dynamic of joy within the life of the community. That's what happens in the life of the Trinity, and it is powerful 
so powerful, and you and I are able to share in it. I remember an honorable moment that showed up in my world that was totally unexpected. I was a university professor at Southeastern University, and it was the first day of school, and normally on the first day of class, I would say, let's get to know one another, and I would share a little bit about myself, and I'd ask students, tell me your name, one thing about you that most people don't know, and that was always fun and, and interesting. This day, I walked into class, about 40 students, and I looked up, and it was my son who was in my class. First day of school, I had not realized that he was in my, one of my classes. So I'm in there, and I'm thinking, you know, normally I have this certain way I start a class, but I can't. My son's in the room. Rob's in the room. And so you know what I did? I thought, I want to say something about it, but I kind of don't want to say something about it. You know, you know, you're thinking, is my dad going to embarrass me, and I want to be just like everybody else. But you know what I wrestled with? I said, you know what? I'm going to cast caution to the wind. My son's in the room. So I said, hey, guys, I want to get class started. And, uh, but before I do, I want to tell you something, something really special. My son is in the room. And I said, Rob, would you stand up? And Rob goes like, you know, and he kind of stands up slowly and hesitantly, and he's standing in the middle of the class. And I said, guys, I want you to know this is Rob. This is my son. Love him, so proud of him, and he, this is his first day in class. And people started applauding, you know, applauding Dr. Crosby's son being in the class. And Robbie turned every shade of red imaginable. And I realized I'm probably going to be toast, you know, after this is all over. And probably his mom's going to say, honey, maybe you should have thought about, you know, that, that whole thing. And so a little bit later in the day, I'm walking, you know, across campus to another class. And Rob's got his books, and he's going to... Uh, lunch, and I, we bumped into one. I said, hey, Rob, how's the day going? Oh, pretty good, Dad. And I said, say, where are you head? I'm heading over to lunch, and I got another class. I said, well, great. And I kind of stepped a little closer. I said, Rob, I said, you know class today that you were in with me? He said, yeah. I said, uh, I hope I didn't embarrass you. Did I embarrass you? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it got quiet for a minute. He said, but it was all right, Dad. It was all right. And in that moment, it reminded me again of something in the human heart that so desires honor. If you're that son, that daughter, that mom and dad never did that, make sure you decide today that you're going to be the, the mother or the father that will always do that. Look for opportunities. Look for things to say. Uh, look for ways to affirm and to build your children up one day and to let life flow through you in the opportunities that God has given you. And there's so many of them that surround us. We have the opportunity to share them and to minister life to them. I believe the most difficult emotion that Jesus ever went through in his ministry on earth was loneliness or aloneness. I believe it was. And I believe it was when he hung on the cross and he bore the deepest of our emotional pain along with all of our sins. And he said, Eli, Eli, lava sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the Aramaic, why have you forsaken me? God had not forsaken him, but it was a picture of our lostness and our loneliness and our emptiness that he took on himself and experienced so that we can know the fullness of deep and meaningful relationship with God. God's called us to draw circles of honor, 
to do it every way we can in so many ways. And he drew a circle of honor around you when he sent Jesus. He said, I love you so much, I'm gonna send my son to die for you. I love you so much that I'm gonna come into the circle of your life and I'm gonna send a savior. Pamela and I got on an airplane from Miami to Lima, Peru a few years ago. And when I got on the plane, I have to admit, I had a book I wanted to read, so I sort of thought, I hope nobody would sit next to me. You ever got on a plane and thought that? Well, to my left, for this six-hour flight, a mom and her toddler sat next to me. To my right, another mom with a toddler and an infant sat next to me. Her husband was in front of me. I was in the middle section. There was an aisle here, and they had seated my wife one row back behind me. And what was it like? Just like what you would think it would be like. Mom, water, mom, I want the iPad, mom, mom, you know, and, and you could feel the people, the business people around me, just like, when is this flight gonna be over? And oh my goodness, these kids, you could just feel it, you could feel it. And the mother felt it so much that she kind of narrated the whole time. She's like talking to her husband, oh honey, these kids, they won't settle down and here, help me with this one. And she's just sort of narrating it. She said, oh, I know these people are upset. And, and, uh, and then she said, when are they going to go to sleep? She said, oh, I know when they're going to go to sleep, when the plane starts to land. And then we've got to take the kids and the luggage and the bags, and how are we going to do that? So when did the kids go to sleep? When the plane started to land. Right about when they started to go to sleep. She's like, oh. And she's anguished. Right about then, I heard someone say, you know, you're a wonderful mother. In my peripheral vision, I saw a hand go up and begin to pat her on the shoulder. I said, you know, it's tough being a mom. And it was my wife. She says, it's so tough being a mom. But you and your husband, you guys do an amazing job. I've been watching you this whole flight, and you guys are incredible parents. And the mother turned around. Her eyes were full of tears, and she's like, thank you. And do you know what I was thinking? I wish I'd thought to say that. I didn't think to say that. All I was thinking about is how quickly I could get off that plane. I was thinking about me. That's what I was thinking about. But Pamela saw it differently. She said, oh, here's an honorable moment. You remember, it's kind of like the moment when the woman taken in adultery was found and everybody's accusing her and Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He spoke in love. There are so many moments in our world that are ripe with opportunity. Sometimes we're so focused on telling people the words of Jesus, and I love the words of Jesus, that we forget to show them the ways of Jesus. Help them not only to know what Jesus said, but to know how he made people feel. How he made people feel, that's you become the life of Jesus in your community. And you think, and some of you will become very creative. Wow, here's something I could do that nobody would have expected, but they're going to feel Jesus. I think Jesus would do this in this moment. I think he would do it. I think he would right here. I want to pray with you. Some of you are here and you say, you know, I, I just today, the whole service, I felt like I need to be closer to God. I, I've drifted away. And this Jesus, I hear about his ways and who he was and how he left heaven and died on the cross for me so that I could know him. And I feel like God's kind of knocking on the door of my heart and I, I need him. I, I don't want to miss that relationship. Some of you are here and you feel that way. Others of you are here and you're like, I'm kind of missing opportunities to draw circles at home, in my community, at my workplace. I think there's some simple ways that, that I could do a better job at that. 
And I really, I want to use my voice and my heart and my life to be able to do that. And to help people not only know about Jesus, but to feel his presence. To feel him through my life. That's something that I'd really like to do better at with God. So I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, I just know I need to be nearer to God, I need to be closer to him, and I want to make sure that my heart is wide open to Jesus and his forgiveness and that I'm walking with him, just put your hand up right where you are. Put it right up where you are. I want to make sure, yes, God bless you. Put it right up. I'm going to wait another moment. Put it right. I need to be closer to God. I need him to fill my heart and life. I need to be intentional about walking closely with him. God bless you. You can put it right back down. And then those of you that God has challenged you, I want to start drawing circles of honor. I want, to, I want to do this better. I want the Holy Spirit to help me to do it in my family, in my world, in my community. I want to draw circles of honor. Just put your hand right up if that's you. God help me, a number of you. God help me to draw these and to draw them faithfully. I'm going to ask that we all stand. And then I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of repentance. Repentance is changing our mind and asking God to bring something new within us. So every head bowed, every eye closed, please, and just pray right after me. But let it come out of your heart. I'll suggest some words, but let it come out of your heart. Just repeat these after me. Dear God, I need you. I am nothing without you. I am lost without you. I am empty without you. I am desperate for you. Open my heart to your will. Jesus, live in me. Wash my sin away. Wash my selfishness away. Fill me with your love and your forgiveness. Thank you for drawing a circle around me. A circle of love, a circle of forgiveness. And use me to draw a circle of blessing around others to help them feel your love and to know your grace in Jesus name Amen you know one of the prayers that Pamela and I started praying a few years ago and it's really it's, it's changed our world in a lot of ways it's you know the Old Testament remember when Abraham was faithful to God and God said because you're faith I'm going to multiply you you're going to become the father of nations God loves faith. You see, faith is not just believing God. And it's not just believing God can do anything. Here's faith. Faith is believing that God can do anything right here and right now. Right, and that's the kind of faith that Jesus brought. People are like, he speaks with authority. Because a lot of people are talking about believing in God and believing that God can do anything. But Jesus said God can do anything right here and right now in this season, in this moment, in this day. So the Abrahamic blessing, God said, Abraham, because you're faith, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be so blessed. Let me tell you how blessed you're going to be. You're going to be so blessed that you're going to be a blessing. Not only that, you're going to be a blessing to the families of the nations of the earth. You say from Waverly, Iowa? Absolutely. Because with God, it doesn't matter the size of the community, but the heart of faith. That you have faith in your heart to say yes to God. And you say, well, what does that mean? It means that 
you and I focus on the depth of our relationships and we leave to him the breadth of our influence. So we've been praying that prayer. And God, how far will that go? That's up to you. That's fine. We just want to be faithful. We want to be keep our relationships deep with you and other people. And then you'll determine the, the breadth. That's totally up to you. That that has really that's out of our control. That's in his hands. But we don't want to miss a thing. We don't want to miss a thing of what he wants to do. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.